Hello everyone and welcome to the Commercial Relocation Happy Hour Podcast. I am your co-host Rob Clark and on the other line is Ed Katz. Ed, how you doing? Hi Rob. Hi everyone. Glad to be back. Thank you for inviting me, Rob. Ed, we are, we are already on to episode three. I can't believe that this is moving along like it is. I'm amazed myself. I really am. So this is going to be the third episode and our topic today is going to be the customer's always right, except when they're not. How do you like that topic, Ed? I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, we have some some thoughts on this subject, and uh, um, who hasn't heard the saying, the customer's always right, right? Along with its ugly cousin, when the customer says jump, we should always say, how high? Isn't that the right response, Ed? You know, well, that's what we're taught, right? <laughs> and I believe that cliche was written a long time ago by a customer. And I'll tell you something. I learned to be a believer and a disciple of tough love, not unconditional love. Because if you let the customer control the move, chances are it's going to implode and you're going to have a bad experience. So I think that you as the service provider need to control the customer, need to control the move, need to control everything. So how do you feel about that saying, Ed, you know, when, when they say the customer's always right? I mean, how do you address that? We you focused do? on, well, we focused on, we wanted good customers. We didn't want customers. We wanted good customers. And if, if I could take a moment to digress, I'd like to give you an example. Yeah. <laughs> how we learned again through that school of hard knocks, uh, how customers can take, take advantage of you. Oh, we were probably in business about eight or 10 years in Atlanta. And I don't mind mentioning the name of the company now since they have ultimately gone bankrupt. They were actually driven out of business by the federal government. But um, I'll never forget, we got a call one day from Arthur Anderson, who you may or may not have heard of depending on upon how old you are. Arthur Anderson was one of the top 10 accounting firms in the nation, very prestigious, great company. And they had a big office move and we got a call and they said, we understand that you are the best office mover in Atlanta. And we've heard great things about you from our building managers. And we would like you to come out and give us a bid. And I went out and did the survey. It was a large move. I had a great relationship with my contact. We got all the buy signals, all the buy signs, and we followed up and we found out we lost the move because we were not the lowest bidder. Now, I'll be honest with you. Had I known they were going to go and choose the lowest bidder, we probably would not have invested the time in the first place to even give them an estimate. That aside, um, they moved with somebody else. Two years later, I got another call from Arthur Anderson, believe it or not, from the same contact. And he said, you know, Ed, I am so sorry. I wanted to use your moving company to render the service. Your reputation precedes you. You're great. You're wonderful. And um, we learned the hard way the mover we hired didn't finish the job on time. There was damage and uh it was not a good move. And they try to bill us more than the estimate. It was just bad all the way around. Would you please come out and give us 
an estimate for our next move. We're just growing so quickly. We have a, some other buildings we're moving into. We'd like you to bid on the job. So after telling, after realizing how smart the contact was by saying that we were the best and all that kind of patronizing, <laughs> I went out, had again, same good relationship with my contact, put together a very lengthy proposal, very detailed, fair, fair price and knew we got to move. I mean, he had a bad experience the first go round. He learned his lesson. They weren't going to shop price. And to my dismay and shock, we didn't get the second move. Can you believe that? So here we invested the time and the expense of giving them two proposals over a two, three, four year period. And we struck out both times. Would you believe four years later, we get a call from Arthur Anderson. <laughs> I can't believe it. This guy had job security. <laughs> the same guy <laughs> that uh, promised me the world the first two times around called me and said, hey, we want you to come out and give an estimate. Believe me, we've really learned our lesson this time. Your reputation that was good before is even better now. We know we're going to use you. I'm just curious, Rob. If you had been Ed Katz back in the days and this customer patronized you the way he patronized me, by the way, that's a very bad word, patronize. In my opinion, when somebody patronizes you, they're giving you a false form of flattery. Did you hear me? False, false form of flattery. So I thought he was patronizing me. But anyhow, if he called you up now and you had two bad experiences with him the first two times and he said, oh, come on, Rob, we're going to use you. Just come on and give me the price and you know, we'll go from there. Have you ever had that situation? How would you have handled that? I'm, I'm not trying to put you on the hot seat here. You don't have to answer it. But is this not the real world? Well, it it is the real world. And after those two experiences, my honest answer would have been I would not have participated in the third opportunity to bid on that job. You were real close to what I said to him. What I said to him was, here's how, here's our policy concerning estimates. We give every prospect an opportunity to hire us. And we give two, we will give up to two free estimates per prospect. Now, we've already given you two estimates over the last few years, so we'll be more than happy to give you an estimate on your big move coming up. But because you already got two free ones, our policy is you have to give us a $4,000 retainer up front. And when you hire us, we'll apply that retainer to the final bill, and you'll only pay the net amount. How does that sound? How do you think he reacted to that? <laughs> I'm going to say not very well. Not very well. <laughs> he said, hey, none of the other movers are asking for a retainer. And I said, well, you're special. And that's <laughs> why we have to ask for the retainer. Well, needless to say, I did not have the opportunity to go out and bid on his job. But... I felt that, how do I know again, he's not just patronizing me. He needed the third price or he didn't, maybe he wasn't the ultimate 
decision maker. I don't know. And I thought that was fair. Um, so he didn't get a bid from us. The firm went with another mover. And it, it's amazing. This happened right around the time the Enron fiasco happened. If you remember, Enron went bankrupt and they had a they did sure. some terrible accounting practices. Well, they took Arthur Anderson down with them. And so like five months after the big Arthur Anderson move, Arthur Anderson was driven out of business by the federal by the federal government. So and I don't know if the mover collected what he built. I don't have any idea what happened. But again, that is my school of tough love, not unconditional love. That's why, you know, I always used to say if a moving company, if a salesperson for a moving company lies down on the floor on his back and says, oh, please walk all over me, take advantage of me. I think the prospect or the client will accommodate him. And, you know, they, I used to say, you're hiring us because we have the experience. We are the professionals. This is how we do a move. We control them. And, and I think, Ed, you bring up some great points in that scenario because I can think of a, a couple of different ones that I've experienced in my career. And the one that I see more than anything, well, there's two. One is, uh, you know, when, when the customer and you just go in and you kind of have that initial conversation, you're kind of getting a feel for you know, the scope of the move and what their criteria is for selecting a mover. And the answer is, well, the lowest cost is going to get this business. And I have on multiple occasions just politely said, if you're only shopping cost, we're not a fit for you because we already know we're going to price it accurately. And we already know in our marketplace, there's going to be competition that will price it called a low ball, I guess this is the best way to describe it, or they're just not as experienced and knowledgeable in the right way to price an office move. And so I know I'm not going to, typically I'm not the least expensive. So if that's all that's driving your, your decision, there's no reason for us to be engaged because there's a high probability we're not going to be selected. The second I'm one. So it, glad, yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up. You know, we did more than 50,000 moves from the time I started Peachtree Movers in 1976 until I, I sold it in 2000. Out of those 50,000 plus moves we did, can you imagine we only did three moves for the government? We only bid on three moves and did three moves in our entire moving career for the government because they were always going with the lowest bidder. We did two for the state of Georgia workers' compensation. I found out later we were the only bidder, and that's because we were moving judges and their furniture, and they wanted a premium service and were willing to pay a premium price. And would you believe it? We actually did a move for the Internal Revenue Service, and I'll never forget this because <laughs> my contact said, we are so tired of having our furniture trashed. We are so tired of being treated poorly by the moving industry. We always have to go with the lowest bidder. We have to go through GSA, and we get movers to show up that are drunk they're not trained they have no experience they destroy our furniture they destroy the building and we suffer the consequences we are not able to open for business the next working day we would like you to bid on the job and i said i am so sorry but we cannot go through the gsa process first of all gsa tells us how much we have to pay our employees and we're not going to do that 
We just no one's going to tell me how much I have to pay my employees so long as I pay them at least minimum wage. So that's a problem. And the GSA process is going to eliminate us because we're probably going to be the most expensive because we charge a premium price because we render a premium service. So here's what my contact from the IRS said. Now, he's long gone. I'm not going to get anybody in trouble. <laughs> he said, look, we already got a ballpark estimate. This move's going to be somewhere between forty dollars and $60,000. The way it works with GSA, if the move is less than $20,000, we don't have to go through GSA. We can solicit the bid ourselves and evaluate it and choose the service provider. He said, is there any way you could do this move? I said, stop right there. We can't do a $50,000, move for less than $20,000. He said, no, hear me out. Do you think you could break the move into segments or phases? I said, that is brilliant. So what we did, we bid the job as if it were three different moves over three consecutive weekends. And they, the way it worked out they had actually different departments within the internal revenue service we got the move we rendered a wonderful service these are some of the nicest people you ever want to meet i really mean it they just the, the really irs care. you said the irs i know <laughs> these are wonderful people i'm telling i mean you know all these stereotypes we have these are really they cared they cared about their furniture and the office building and their employees and we did it each phase for under twenty thousand dollars they were so happy. We were ecstatic. So those were like my three government moves over the 24 years that I had my moving company. I mean, that's just just what it was. Tough love. I was not in the I was not in the estimating business. I was in the booking moves business. You see the difference? And you can't be all things to all people. You can't. We could not render a cheap move. We always used extensive building protection. We always sent the right equipment out on the job. We didn't pick people up off the street and put a t-shirt on them, but said Peachtree Movers and send them out on the job to learn how to do it at the, the customer's expense. It costs money to train employees. It costs money for the equipment. And that's the difference. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and you say the customer's expense, ultimately it's going to be your expense because there's going to be you know, not as the job is not going to be as profitable because you're going to have claims and issues. Time's not going to be done on time for the, you know all those factors that we've talked about. So ultimately, it becomes your expense. Uh, right, I agree. And you I know, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. Well, I was going to say I have another scenario, and and I'd like to get your thought on it, how you handled it, because I know how I have. Uh, it's always that one, and, and I know we'll get a little deeper into this topic on another podcast because I think it will be more suited for another topic. Uh, another podcast to get in depth on it but i would go into a client's office and we would understand the scope and we would <clears throat> you know go ahead and do the process of walking the space and, and capturing the inventory and doing that entire process and then at the end when we sit down and we have that conversation um when we come back out and we're ready to present the bid the client would say well i appreciate your numbers and what you're telling me but you're you're telling me you can't do this you know friday saturday and sunday and have it done by monday but billy bob's movers said they could do it and have it all done by you know sunday morning why can't you do it and you know obviously the space we're working in the logistics of those buildings allow you to have a certain number of people and the answer would be from 
the client, well, Billy Bob said they would bring out, you know, an extra 10 guys to get it knocked out. How do you address that issue with a client? Well, I think we're talking about two big topics here. Let me see if I can remember this. I want to tell you the two topics so that, you know, I'm going to be 76 years old in two weeks. So if I have a senior moment, you'll say, okay, here's the other one. The one is the law of diminishing returns. Right. And the other one is splitting the crew with a day shift and a night shift. So you remember one or the other. I'm going to start with the law of diminishing returns. That example you just gave would be like uh, the mo- you bid a job and it's supposed to go five hours Friday night, eight hours Saturday, and eight hours Sunday. The customer calls the building management at both buildings and she can't get the elevator at one of the two buildings, the origin or destination, for Friday night. So she says, oh, I still want to use you. Can you still do the move in two days instead of two and a half days? And... The answer to the question is, I don't know. We have to look at the man hours because what the typical mover will do, sure, we'll just, no no big deal. We'll just put extra guys on the job. Isn't that what they typically do? They put extra guys on the job. And so what happens is the law diminishing returns sets in. The move is only going to go as fast as the elevator. And you have other restraints, within the building, narrow hallways. Putting more men doesn't make it go any faster if there's a certain speed on the elevator. You're not gonna double stack the furniture inside the elevator and you only have maybe areas to park one truck at a time at one of the buildings. So putting more men on the job is is a mistake. Yeah, because only so many the, guys the can be in the hallway is, pushing, right? The law of diminished returns says it doesn't matter how many more men you put on the job. If you put more than the optimum crew, which is a perfect bucket brigade of passing it down the line, just because you put more men on it does not make it go any faster. It makes it easier for the movers, but this time of the job is still going to take the same as if you had the perfect optimum crew where you're not tripping over each other and interfering with the, each other by being in each other's ways. So that's, is the answer to that question. The other way of doing the move is, well, maybe they're going to work around the clock. Well, what does that mean? (laughs) If they work around the clock and they don't split their crew, that means a guy who starts working, let's say at six o'clock Friday night is gonna keep working all evening, all night and working until maybe the next evening till he finishes the job. There is no way you're not going to have injuries and damage on that job because and imagine a truck driver who has fatigue, which is illegal anyhow to be driving all those hours. But if you work around the clock and work until you finish without splitting your crew and having another crew come in, you're setting yourself up for a disaster. And and do you think the guys slept all day Friday so they could work from 6 p.m. until the following night or day and a half? No, they can't sleep during the day. And so what happens is they, they have fatigue. Somebody gets hurt or more than one person gets hurt. You have terrible damage to the building and to the furniture you're moving and the electronics. So you have to be a good salesperson and point these problems out to your prospect. The other way of doing the move is to split your crew, have a day shift and a night shift. 
And the problem with having a day shift and a night shift, and I used to say this to customers all the time, you're telling the mover, take your trained professional supervisors, take your trained professional experienced supervisors and drivers and foremen and crew, and now we're going to cut them in half so that we can have a day crew and a night crew, and we're going to fill backfill the missing employees that are working the other shift with unskilled labor. So now you're diluting the skill level, you're diluting the experience level, you're going to have problems finishing the job on time, you're going to have problems without having a lot of damage, and they don't care about your employees injuring themselves. I wouldn't bring that up. So we try to get them to put a larger window of time in the job. Maybe we can move non-essential areas like the conference room, like the supply room, over Wednesday and Thursday evenings to diffuse pressure. And then we could do the move Friday evening, all day Saturday, all day Sunday. Maybe that's an option. Or maybe we have a holiday weekend where we the building's going to be closed on the following Monday because it's a Labor Day weekend or something like that. So that would spread out the window of time. But just because the movers say, no big deal, we can handle it, that might really cause problems for not just the service provider, but for the client. How do you feel about that, Rob? Well, I absolutely agree with you. And I've had those scenarios come up where ultimately we had to walk away from the opportunity. But a month down the road or a couple weeks down the road, sometimes longer, uh, we would get a call from that client again and it would be then that I would find out that the experience was not good. It didn't go the way. It was actually what we had talked about as far as what the scenario would be as far as time to get that move completed. And then we would get another opportunity with that client later down the road. And I can tell you, Ed, I've had probably three of those that I still have that have turned into just great clients for me, uh, which has been great. May I please throw you another hot potato by asking you this question after I give you the scenario? Fire away. True story. We did a lot of moves, oh, for many years for a law firm that got acquired by another law firm from New York. And so the New York uh, law firm that bought the Atlanta law firm controlled the move. And when they moved, when the my client moved into their new building under the name of this new company, it was a large law firm move. They had three floors in a high-rise office building in downtown Atlanta. We bid on the job. However, the law firm in New York had a client that was a national moving company that had branches all over the United States. And they told my client that got bought by them, you got to use this other mover. So my contact was very apologetic and said, Ed, believe me, we want to use Peachtree Movers. We love you and all that, but we have no control we got acquired by this other law firm. We have to use this other moving company. We bid $86,000 on this move. My competitor bid 40000 the one they ended up hiring, the one that was the client of this New York. The one in New York City. Law firm. They had a presence in Atlanta. Yes. The, the, oh, yes. They had a branch in, in Atlanta. Okay. They sure did. So Sunday morning, the weekend of the move, that Sunday morning, I got a call from my former client, who was the contact with the law firm that was loyal to us all these years in Atlanta. Ed, can you help us out? Can you help us out? 
we are not even halfway through the move. We're supposed to finish the move at five o'clock today. We're about 20%, 25% complete. We're not going to finish it by this evening. Do you have any extra guys you can send over? Please, can you help us out? How would you have handled, what were yours? Let's pretend you did have uh, employees you could call in to help bail. Would you bail them out? The answer would be no. I, would I told not, you it was a hot potato. <laughs> I, I would not help them out, unfortunately, because you're, you're putting me into a situation where I don't, in my opinion, I don't have the control of that situation. I don't know where we are in the process. It would take some time for me to come in and evaluate to put together the proper plan to finish that project the way it should be finished. If I could give you a gold star, but I can't run zoom but <laughs> i'd give you a gold star if i could that is such a great answer and here's and i have talked to so many moving company owners about this and they would have said oh yeah we'll send the guys out and i said really and so when they go back to work monday morning you bailed out the mover that didn't have enough resources to do the move right yeah and when the client goes back to work monday morning and there's wall damage and floor damage and elevator damage. Was it your company's employees that caused the damage or the one you bailed out? Uh, sounds like a gray area to me. Sounds like you're both going to be liable. And when the computers are turned on and they don't work, did your movers move those computers or did the other moving company that you bailed out move the computers? And when there's damage to the furniture, who caused it? Oh, we didn't think of that. But you have to think like an attorney. And you're moving attorneys. My goodness gracious, you're moving attorneys. So you have to act and think like an attorney. Absolutely. You are going to be liable with the other service provider. But do you remember I told you about a mile's worth of wall damage on a job? On yes. A, on, a, on an earlier podcast? This was that same move. They caused, we didn't send anybody out to help them out. We said, we are so sorry, but, and I don't remember if we had extra employees that day we could have called in or not. First of all, I said to myself, we have to teach this customer a lesson or guess what? In the future, he's still going to use that other service provider and know if they mess up, who are they going to call as a stepchild? Peachtree Movers, my company. So that's not going to teach him anything. Remember tough love, not unconditional love. And I was very saccharine sweet and very apologetic. Can you believe I could be very sweet? I'm so <laughs> sorry, but we didn't. I said, we have no, no one available. And so they didn't finish the move at five o'clock on Sunday. They didn't have it finished by midnight Sunday. And they still had another 25% to move in the next day. But because it was a high rise office building, they couldn't get the freight elevator until six o'clock Monday night. They didn't finish the move Monday night either. They had to go back Tuesday night. And this was the client of the law firm that bought my client in Atlanta. So now we have an adversarial relationship between <laughs> attorneys and client. And I have no idea if the mover collected what they billed or all I know is it was a disaster. Well, and the impact to the client, because this, I'm guessing, Ed, but this was years ago, so they didn't have that, you know, just go work remotely from home where you can log into the system or do whatever, no. you know. So if they couldn't be at the office working, that's billable hours that they're losing out on. Oh, big time. Lost, lost business revenue. You're 100% right. Do you know we ended up doing all the subsequent moves for that client, that law firm? They were under another name in Atlanta when they got acquired. 
by the other New York City law firm. But so their name changed, same employees. We did all their future moves for them. Isn't that amazing? Good for you. Absolutely. Well, you have to be, you have to treat everybody the same and you have to have principles and not be controlled or manipulated by the client. You want good customers, not customers. Yeah. And I, I remember, you know, well, I'll say the, the topic or the, uh, the title of this episode is the customers always, are always right, except when they're not. And I remember learning from you years ago, you know, they're not always right, but they're still your customer. And as long as you treat them fairly, they shouldn't want any more than that. You know, give them what they deserve, nothing more. Because too many clients want more than they deserve. And that's when movers get kind of sucked in, if you will, and, and can get into a bad situation. Amen, brother. Yeah. Well, that was a fun episode. So we, we definitely learned the customer's not always right. I hope we learned that. I really, I really hope that our listeners don't jump. And we learned that they don't know our business as well as we know our business. So, st- I you know, agree hold so your much. feet. I agree. Stand strong. Well, Ed, that was a good episode. That was a good topic. Uh, a lot of fun doing that one. Thank you. I, I love it. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us on this episode of Commercial Relocation Happy Hour. Uh, we look forward to having you on our next episode. And until then, go sell another move. <laughs>